Greetings in Jesus' name. I'm Bishop Chester Wright, and this is lesson one of the video teaching series, God's Love for Us. Uh, as I said in the introductory video that, uh, is, that is done, was done for to be an introduction for this entire series, uh, you, know, you, you talk about God's love and people go, yeah, okay, God's love. God loves us, yeah, wonderful, whatever. But because we don't really truly know and understand God's love, we don't truly know and understand God because, of course, the Apostle John said in 1 John chapter 4, two times, very specifically, God is love. God is love. And so I can't understand God without understanding love, and I can't understand love without understanding God because they are one and the same. God is love. Love is God. Now, of course, very briefly, uh, which I will get into in later lessons, more detail, uh, the Greek word translated love is agape. It's not found anywhere in the classical Greek literature, according to the scholars I've read. And it's only found in the Greek New Testament. The Holy Ghost brought this word into existence and brought it to use to describe something that is not natural, that's not earthly, it's not temporary, because it's God. And it's God's number one characteristic, self-described characteristic of himself, and that is love. And so uh, in this lesson, lesson one, I want to talk about the fact that God offered his love to us. I have said it many times and I'm going to say at the beginning of this lesson and of this series. People have the opinion, as I said in the introduction, people have the opinion uh, that everybody's got an opinion about love and about God and whatever. But the only the only uh, understanding of God and of love uh, that is Truth is what comes out of the Bible, not out of my mind, not out of my emotions, not out of society, not out of what this world thinks or says love is and love isn't. And because we define love ourselves, then we limit and, and try to put God and people in this box of, uh, of how we define love. And so I'm going to make a statement that is... Uh, difficult for some people to receive because we have believed the opinions that people have uh, have put forth their understanding or opinions uh, that were not biblical. And that is, God does not love all people. Oh, yes, he does. God loves the whole world. I'm going to talk about that verse today. And I want to demonstrate to you that God doesn't love everybody. The title of this lesson is, God Offers His Love to Us. That's all He can do. Because if God forced His love on us, He would be violating our will. But He cannot, He, he will not, and we cannot violate people's will. He won't violate our will. We can't violate other people's will. Uh, and so, therefore, all he can do in this temporal dimension where human will has the right to decide what it wants to do and even though there are consequences to every choice of my will, there are consequences. 
Good consequences, depending on the choice, choices, bad consequences, depending on the choices. But during this very limited uh, uh, space called temporal time, uh, God allows human beings to make their own choices and he does not force anything on us. He offers. He tells us the consequences of these choices. Good. And he tells us the consequences of these choices. Bad. And he tells us not only in this temporal life, but in our eternal life. But he leaves the choice to us. Therefore, it is impossible for God to love everybody because he would then be forcing his love on people that don't want it. So, This is the love of God, that he made himself, he makes his love available to us. And the greatest thing he does in in offering us his love is offering us an intimate personal relationship with him that supersedes all religion. Amen. And so here we are. He is offering his love for us. And he demonstrated that offer by the lengths to which he went to make the offer and make the ability, uh, make our ability to receive his love possible. So I'm reading from John 3 verses 14 through 18. And as Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So if God's love was unconditional in the sense that it doesn't matter what we do or what our choices is. He's saving us whether we want to be or not. That would truly be unconditional love. In the idea that we cannot earn that love, cannot deserve that love, that him loving us was not our idea, it was his idea. Truly in all of those things, his receiving his love, we must, we have to receive his love uh, knowing that he is offering it to us uh, without us being able to earn it or be worthy of it uh, from our perspective. But his love is conditional. It says it right in this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Well, The opposite automatically is, if you don't believe in him, you will perish. So if God's love was so unconditional, as some preach it, uh, that he loves us, no matter what we do, no matter how we live, then that whole section of that verse should have been left out. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so that we could all have everlasting life. But he put conditions on it. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Through him, the world through him. There is no salvation except through him. Through him. It's of him, from him, by him, through him. That's the only way to be saved. There is no salvation outside of him. Now, in our current culture, oh, this is a horrible thing. And to say that makes you a horrible person. And they've got all kind of labels for that. Label me. I believe the Bible. I believe the Bible is the word of God. I believe the Bible is true. And so since I believe the Bible is true, and Jesus said later in John 14, I am the way, the truth, the life, I believe it. Well, that means you hate people. I don't hate anybody. I've given all seven, almost all 74 years of my life, at least the last 62 years of my life, to seeing people saved because I love people. I don't hate people. There ain't anybody I want to see to go to hell. But I know that God will not violate people's will, and I cannot violate people's will. And so the only thing I can do is preach to them the good news. God loves you. He loves you so much. He made provision that if you would choose by your will to believe in him and receive his love, that he, he has a, a means and methodologies by which he can save you. But if you don't want to do that, you're not saved. For God sent not his son into the world. Now, these next, the last two verses, God is, uh, through the Holy Ghost, through the Apostle John, is explaining, verse 16, For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Because, on this account, for this reason, he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Now, I'll say it again. God doesn't love everybody. Because love is kind of like electricity. Electricity only works with two wires. There, there has to be a closed connection. And so, God's love only works for us if he gives it, and then we give it back. we give we, He gives it to us, and we give it back to him. And he gives it to us, and we give it back to him. I have to receive it, and I have to give it. Freely I've received, freely I give it. If I receive it and don't give it, the circuit is broken. It's not working. There's no power. There's no accomplishment. Nothing. Because re- me receiving the love of God and not returning it, and then trying to use that love for my purposes that I may believe are very good. And from a human standpoint, they may appear to be very good. But the problem is, if I am not doing them by his love, a verse that we will study later in these lessons, Galatians uh, 5 and 6, faith worketh by love. The Greek word for worketh there is Activated, operative, cause to be energized. So faith is activated by love. 
So if I receive God's love, but I don't close the circuit so that the power is available, then I receive it. I'm trying to do it. I'm using unactivated faith because my love hasn't activated it because I haven't closed the circuit of both receiving God's love for me and giving it back to him. And by doing that, that then makes me a conduit to minister to others. Now, I'm going to say this right now. It is impossible to teach the number of lessons that are going to be taught in this series series without many times repeating certain points. But that's the essence of teaching. And the hope is that at one point in time as you're doing these lessons and and watching these lessons... There will be a point that after you work your way through up to a point that when that statement is made or that point is made, all of a sudden it will go, I get it. I get it. I got it. I received that. I believe that. Now let's do that. And that's what God's trying to do here. So again, God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. The Lord's motive in, in, uh, in coming to this earth robed in the flesh of a man was totally positive. He came here to demonstrate his love. He, he manifested himself to demonstrate his love, his compassion, his mercy, his willingness to save. But he also, by going to that length, He then put mankind in a position of saying, I believe that or don't believe that. Because if I believe what he did, how can that not compel me to say, you're God, you not only created all of this, but you have gone to such extremes to make a way for me to be saved, to have a relationship with you, to know you. And that alone then compels me, that compels me to say, here I am. Do with me as you choose. I'm I'm yours. You bought me. You redeemed me. You saved me. Now, just for just to get a little more depth in many of these lessons, I will be reading from a couple other translations. So I'm I'm gonna read now starting with the uh, the Amplified. Uh, this is John 3.14. And just as Moses lifted up the servant in the desert on a pole, so must or so it is necessary the Son of Man be lifted up on the cross. In order that everyone who believes in him, who cleaves to him, trusts him, and relies on him, that's the Greek, the definition of the Greek word. The Amplified has just given us the definition of this Greek word, and this is what the Bible means when it says believe. You ask the average person on the street uh, if they believe, yeah, I believe that. Well, they're not going to give themselves to that. They're not going to give any money to it. They're not going to give any time to it. They're not going to give any devotion to it. But they believe that. No, they don't. They they acknowledge it. They don't believe it. Because according to the Greek word here, the scripture says, uh, the, the Greek word is, in order that everyone who believes in him, 
This is the definition. Who cleaves to him, trusts him, and relies on him may not perish. Now, I I don't want anybody to go to hell. Nobody. There's not one single human being in this entire world. No matter what my relationship with them is, whether I know them or not, and if I know them, no matter what they've ever done to me or said to me, good or bad, there's not one person I want to go see, see go to hell. Hell is horrible. Hell is horrible. And it's never ending. I don't want to see anybody go to hell. But the bottom line is this. I, I can't violate people's will and make them be saved. And the Lord won't. Why? Because it's got to be a choice. It's got to be our choice. Our choice. Part of the, part of the ministry of the church, uh, uh, of all people that are, uh, that are a part of the church, not just the ministry that's in the church, is to communicate the good news to this world. The good news is you don't have to be lost. You don't have to live in fear. You don't have to live in guilt and condemnation here and now. All your sins can be forgiven. You can be made a new person and you can be saved. Here's the catch. You've got to cleave to him. You've got to trust him with your life. And you've got to rely on him every day. You've got to. You've got to do that. So if we do that, I'm reading the verse again amplified, in order that everyone uh, who believes in him, who cleaves to him, trusts him, and relies on him may not perish, but have eternal life and actually live forever. Verse 16, amplified, For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world. In this context, he's not spoke, that the Greek word there is not the earth, but the people in the world prize the world that he, he even gave up his only begotten, unique is the Greek word, son, so that whoever believes in, trusts in, clings to, relies on him, shall not perish or come to destruction, be lost, but have eternal, everlasting life. This verse is conditional. And it's either spiritual blindness or being willingly ignorant or purposely deceptive for people to use this verse to imply that God loves everybody and he's going to save everybody when the verse very plainly doesn't teach that. Jesus never said that. This verse offers eternal life. And he t- it tells very specifically what God did to provide that. The extreme length God went to. The, the deity of the, uh, of, of, of the infinite made himself finite enough to be manifested in the body of a man. In the finite. His own body. His own blood according to Acts 20. The blood of Christ, God's own blood, was shed. The only blood God ever had was shed in our place to pay the penalty for our sins. He offered that before we were even born. He knew us in 
His eternal nature before we were ever born in the natural. He knew the life we would, would be living and He knew the sins we would need to be forgiven of and He willingly did all of this because that's how much He loves us. That's how much He loves us. Now, knowing that love, that then puts the entire onus on me. God's already done all he can do to this point for me and every other human in the world. In this verse, God's already done everything he can do. He can't do any more till you and I and every human being in this earth does something ourselves. We have to believe. And again, the Greek word there totally eliminates the fact that it's not just acknowledge him or say, I believe, no. It is a demonstrated lifestyle of cleaving to him or trusting in him, clinging to him, cleaving, and relying on him. That's faith. That's biblical faith. And when I receive the love that went to that extreme, that love in me by his spirit works in me to produce these things. It teaches me to trust God. It teaches me to cling to Him. It teaches me to rely daily upon Him because He is trustworthy. His love has already demonstrated that. But what if I reject that? Verse 17. For God did not send the Son into the world in order to judge, to reject, to condemn, to pass sentence on. That wasn't His motive. On the world. That wasn't his motive. God did not send the Son into the world in order to judge, to reject, to condemn, to pass sentence on the world, but that the world might find salvation and be made safe and sound through him. He who believes in him, here it is again, who clings to, trusts in, and relies on him, is not judged. He who trusts in him never comes up for judgment. For there is no rejection, no condemnation. He is, he incurs no damnation. But he who does not believe and faith is a choice of my will. Cleave to, rely on, trust in him is judged already before he even gets to the final sentencing at the great white throne judgment, he's already living in a judged or condemned condition. Why? He has already been convicted because the sin is, I'm not acknowledging and believing that God is God over all and that I've been created by him and that he, he, he has a right to expect me to give myself to him. Whoever, uh, but he who does not believe is judged already. He has already been convicted and already has already been re- received his sentence because he has not believed in and trusted in the name of the only begotten Son of God. He is condemned for refusing to let his trust rest in Christ's name. That's the amplified. Now, those that believe, it's just you know. I accept Christ as my personal Savior, and it's done. He loves me. I can't be lost. Uh, I, 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 it's finished. No matter how I live, 
He can't take salvation away from me. You're right, because you, you never got it. Because a person's not saved just by saying some words or doing a few actions. There is a beginning into a, salva- a saved life, except the man be born again. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. <coughs> Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's the beginning. But First Peter chapter 1, verse 9 says that it is the will of God for us to receive the end of our faith. And that Greek word therein means the completion of our faith. And if I don't walk with him, if I don't cling to, trust in, if I don't trust in, cling to, and rely upon him, I'm not believing in him, and I don't have saving faith. Saving faith. I don't have it. In closing uh, this lesson, I want to read Weiss' expanded translation here. It's a little bit more, uh, amplified as a a little wordier because he keeps putting, inserting the definition of certain uh, key words into the text just for our amplification of understanding. Uh, But Weiss is a little more readable even though he still does a similar thing of trying to give the full flavor of the... uh, uh, the Greek. <clears throat> so this is, uh, Weiss expanded translation, John 3. I'm going to actually begin, uh, with verse 14. And just as Moses elevated the snake in the uninhabited region, in like manner is it necessary in the nature of the case for the Son of Man to be lifted up, in order that everyone who places his trust in him may be having eternal life. For in such a manner did God love the world, insomuch that his Son, the uniquely begotten one he gave in order that everyone who places his trust in him may not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send off his son into the world in order that he might be judging the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is God's motive. And people are so blasphemous. Blasphemous in saying that God's motive is pure, that he is responsible for all this mess going on in the world. All the mess going on in our world is the, is the, the, the consequence of man's choices, not God's choices. God did everything he could and has done everything he could without violating man's will. We want to blame God for letting the world get like this, but nobody wants God to take over their will. Oh, wait, you can't have it both ways. If you want free will, you want to make your own decision, then it's not God's fault in the world's like it is. But if it's God's fault that the world's like this, then you're saying, take over my will, God, and, uh, and just make me do everything you want me to do. You make me do it. Nah, nah you can't have it both ways. Now, I want him in my life. I want him to be the Lord of my life. I, I want him to help me to help me by his grace to give my will to him and to do those things that are pleasing. But he's never going to make me do anything, not one moment. Even living a saved life of one who trusts in, clings to, and believes in the Lord Jesus Christ and his, 
in his word. And since Christ is the word made flesh, I can't trust in, rely on, cling to and rely on the word of, uh, on Christ if I'm not trusting and relying on and clinging to the word of God. You can't separate them. They're the same, they're the same. Christ and the word, same thing. There's, that's synonymous. God and love is synonymous. Christ and the word is synonymous. And since that word is God, it's God, it's God's word, you can't separate God from his word. So there all must be one. Yes, they all must be. So God's motive was pure. God's motive was his love. God's motive was his love. That's God's love. That's God's motive. So the point being here is I have to trust in God and his love. I have to cling to God and his love. And I have to uh, rely upon God and his love every day to be living a saved life. And if I'm not doing those things, if I'm running my own life and exercising my own will, and I and I may I may even pray, but I'm praying to God, do this, do this, do this, fix this, fix this, don't let this happen, change this, rather than you are God, you're in control. I trust you, I give it all to you. That's trusting Him. And finally, uh, verse 18 of Weiss. He who places his trust in him is not being judged. He who is not believing has been judged already and is as a result under judgment because he has not put his trust in the name of the uniquely begotten Son of God with the result that he is in a state of unbelief. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I loose the grace of God and the love of God upon you and I today that we would fellowship with his love by fellowshipping with his spirit so that we can fellowship with him and that he might, we might let him enable us and empower us to trust him, to cling to him, to rely upon him. I pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you.